Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebel Steve 47. Both are at the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. We're found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest is Mike Clement, Ole Miss Baseball hitting coach. Ole Miss Baseball Fall Ball opens October 1st. So we're going to talk all about that. It was supposed to be a Talk of Champions extra. Dave and I decided we're going to do another one right after we did one on Wednesday and just throw that interview in there. So if it sounds a little weird at first because we talked about it being a Talk of Champions Extra, just let it go. Me and Mike Clement, we're going to talk yeah. just a little bit. Because Dave and I, we can't get enough of talking about some Ole Miss football, man. That's what it is. Well, everybody's kind of, everybody's kind of out of sorts this week because of the open date. Yes. And, uh, you know, you're off to a red-hot start. I'd argue one of the hottest starts in the country considering uh, Ole Miss was – an unranked team in the preseason by the AP and the coaches poll. And, uh, you know, now they're number 13 in the nation, uh, you know, just three, three weeks into this thing. And then boom, stop signs put up. There's no game this Saturday. And, uh, you know, we, we've listened to Lane lament about that ever since last Saturday night. He doesn't like where this open date has fallen Love it. this early in the season because, you know, I mean, it certainly could be more advantageous in, in, in late October or so when That's you've right. got more guys banged up and you get a chance to heal them up and things like that. But uh, as he said uh, numerous times this week, it is what it is. And uh, yes, it is what it is. So no football game for the Ole Miss Rebels on Saturday. There is football in the SEC, however. Ben and I will get into all those games here in just a little bit. Look, no fearless forecast this week. Kind of teetering on doing one with the rest of the SEC games. And then Ben was like, I'm not doing that. So we're not no. going to do it. No. I, I think he was right on that. Uh, so maybe we'll pick our games right here on the podcast today. But uh, and there, and honestly, there are a couple of good games Saturday, SEC games. There's a bunch of garbage games, too. Uh, so, you know, if you need one more weekend to cut the grass on Saturday or go fishing on Saturday, I expect the weather will be beautiful, according to my local meteorologist. Do it. Have fun on Saturday. And then buckle in for nine straight weeks of Ole Miss football, uh, you know, through the gauntlet of the SEC. Nine straight weeks. Nine straight weeks. You know, I think Lane Kiffin, the more we learn about Lane Kiffin, the more I realize he's like my spirit animal. He goes foot on fourth down because the analytics tell him to score from far. And now he says what I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. This open date after three games is too early. It's too early. 
So, so wait, he's a spirit animal with you? Yes, with y'all me. spirit animals together? With me. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, you've God, known me a long a time. Scary. Yeah, that's a little scary. Yeah. 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 But wow. he, in my football spirit animal, okay? Because uh, okay, 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 the open okay. date is too early. It, I just don't understand why it's this early. It feels like they just got started, and then you're stopping. And I've been saying that. It's just, I mean, Bradley Sal said that, too. He preferred as a player to not have an open date at any point, but especially if you're playing really hot and then you just stop abruptly. Yeah, it is a disadvantage yeah. a little bit for a team that's playing now, so Now, I, I will say this. I will say this, though. If I could look at the schedule at the beginning of the year and, I, and go, you know, who do I want an open date before I play? Yeah, sure. It would be Alabama, okay? It would be Alabama. Uh, gives me two weeks to prepare this team, and uh, they're preparing. You know, some of the guys walk in and go, yeah, yeah, we're, we're starting on Alabama right now. And then some of the guys walk in and go, uh, no, no, we're just focusing on ourselves. Come on. They're, 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 they're focusing on Alabama. Uh, I don't know why the conflicting messages, but uh, we got that the other day. What does it Jay mean to I focus Neely? on yourselves, really, though? Come on, stop. Uh, no, you're not. I, you're not. I really don't know, but yeah. I mean, Jerry Ely was, was out front and like, why wait? Why wait to prepare for Alabama? Let's do it right now. And Lakia Henry was like, no, we're focusing on ourselves. No, you're so, not, uh, you know, No, you're not. You spent a full month of fall camp. You spent a full month of fall camp focusing on yourself, okay? You're not focusing on yourself in the bye week. And I love that about Jerry. Because, look, Jerry, the thing with Jerry on, he's a very outspoken kid, but he's very thoughtful, too. He's very mindful of what he's saying because he knows what he says is going to be written about or talked about, whatever. So for him to say that is a very noteworthy thing because he's telling you the truth. He knows exactly what he's saying. If that makes sense. I mean, oh, yeah, he's not one to shy yeah, away from, from – he's not going to keep to himself and then guard himself yeah. against saying something. And, you know, folks don't know it, but generally when Jerry Young walks into the uh, the press room, he tells uh, he tells us what his name's going to be for that particular day. I didn't even um, know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Jerome on uh, Tuesday when we got him on Tuesday. And um, – well, back in the summer, it was Carlos. Uh, just a little behind-the-scenes tidbit there. Uh, a little Ole Miss spirit extra, if, you, if you'd if you like. But uh, kind, of, kind of a little funny back and forth that, that, that he likes to do. But a media favorite. We love to see Jerry Ely walk into the interview room because, as you just said, he's not holding back. No. You know, he, he really doesn't have a filter, and he's going to say what's on his mind. And uh, he gives you fresh answers. I mean, you know, from that perspective, you know, here we'll, we'll, we'll still kind of stay behind the scenes here some. Believe it or not, there are players that come in, the media does not want to interview because uh, it's all coach speak. Uh, they emulate exactly what the coaching staff um, has indicated they want them to emulate. You get nothing out of it. And then some guys are just better talkers than others. Um, when you stand, which is totally podium. fine. Some prefer yes, not yeah, to yeah, do it, and that's fine. Yeah, that. it's fine. Some guys freeze, and some guys open up, and some guys look like, uh, you know, they're Phil Donahue. You know, they, they're they're holding their own talk show there. But um, in any event, um, Jerry Ely is always a pleasure to talk to, um, and uh, he's always going to give you good stuff. Whether you like it or not, 
such as his comment the other day, that nobody's going to beat them, dot, 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 but themselves. But anyway. What is he supposed to say? What is he supposed to say? That's how they should feel, and that's how most teams do well, feel, and they don't say it publicly. What are they supposed to say? Yeah, Alabama's the king of the SEC West, the king of college football, and we got to go in there and play our very best game to beat them. If they believe that they're better than Alabama or as good as Alabama, why can't they just say that and not be a story at all? Of course, Alabama people are probably going to run with it. Like, oh, here it is again. Because Alabama always looks for some form of motivation because they've won so much. They always come up with this. Not Thank you for this bulletin board material because you're Alabama. You're just used to beating everybody. If you need a bulletin board material at this point, I mean, Alabama, stop. Okay, you're, you are the bulletin board material. You're Alabama. You don't, get to, you don't get to play that like everybody else in college football gets to. You are the bulletin board. Yeah, very true. And, um, you know, I'll go biblical on you here in that whole little context where oh. Gary Allen was saying nobody was going to beat them. You, you know, before King David slew Goliath. Okay. All right. You know what? He, he uh, 13 different times he prayed to God for success, but he never brought up Goliath in any of his prayers. He never mentioned him. Jerry Ely didn't mention Alabama in that, in that little quote bubble. But see, it doesn't matter. Better. It doesn't matter. It's still the Alabama beat. fans and the still Alabama. Yeah. Which is what you, you should. A football team that thinks nobody's going to beat you. Yeah. You don't go into a game going, ah, I really hope we get this one. <laughs> I mean, you're well, setting yourself you know, up for failure. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe some people who, I don't know, have never played the game might think that. Sure. But. I mean, I, I, you've played football. I've played football. Did you ever step on the field going, man, we're, we're just, we're just not going to win this one. Oh no. yeah, I have. I did. I did. I did once. Did you really? Yeah. Against Corinth. I, I never did. Against Corinth. I never did. Yeah. Corinth was really good back in the day. I don't know if they're still good. I don't keep up with high school football at all anymore, but Brian Brown was quarterback in Corinth. When he was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I talked to him about this. We went into that game and yeah, the, everybody on the team was, Oh, we're going to get Corinth. My mindset was, I don't know, man. <laughs> They're really good. Yeah. Brian Brown's really good. Yeah, but 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 you see my point, though. I mean, yes, I do. I know. know. That was more of an anecdotal thing. That's, we're that's get yeah, far. yeah. Everybody else was, but not me. Yeah, my moment like that was uh, we were playing uh, Magnolia Heights. I played a bio academy over in Cleveland, and um, we were playing Magnolia Heights. They had a quarterback named Russ Shouts. Oh and, God. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I sacked Russ, and I've always kidded him about this, two or three times that night. And, you know, I was a little bit of a dirtbag. And um, that was back in the half jersey era, man. Everybody wore these cutoff jerseys, yeah. you know, your belly button. In my case, my fat was hanging out of, uh, of my jersey. And um, so – I sacked Russ a couple times, tackled him a couple times. And all week long, all we'd heard about is Russ Shouts, Russ Shouts, Russ Shouts. You know, nobody can stop Russ Shouts. And he was, he proved to be unstoppable in the Mississippi private school leagues. So, uh, you know, you'd sweat. It was hot. We played this game in Sanatobia. And um, a couple of times I was at the bottom of the pile with Russ. And I took my hand and, would, and just – raked it across his belly. I mean, to the point where the sweat was pouring into the 
scratches. Oh, my God. And, uh, and he would get up kicking. I'm telling off of myself, right? He would get up kicking and yelling and, who did this? Who did this? Who's doing that? You're and, one uh, of those, man. Been, You're one of those jerks. Yeah, I was. I was that game. And um, anyway, uh, and then look, Russ and I have since sat down and, and really had a, had a good laugh about it. But, um, and then that was 25 years after the fact. But uh, nevertheless, um, we lost that game seven to six. Seven but we thought to we six. were going to win that game. Yeah, because you have we to believe, we unless Brian Brown's who's the greatest high school quarterback outside of Eli Anding I've ever seen in my life. You have to believe you're going to win that game. Here's the thing. Russ Schaus needs to be on this podcast now because all I want to do is moderate that conversation you between you and Russ Schaus. He needs to come on. No, we, we, we really, we really, you know, I admitted to him and apologized to him. No, 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 no. That's all fine. I just want to play by play that, that moment. I, I want to ping you off of Russ and Russ off of you and, and kind of get y'all going about that. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah, and to me. I don't even know if the first time I did it, it was intentional. Yeah, it was um, intentional. Of course it was. No, 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 no. It was just his reaction that spurred me on. You know, I'm thinking to myself, here's this hot shot quarterback, and he's going to get up complaining about, you know, somebody uh, accidentally raking his belly. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give this joker a long night. And uh, David Johnson, you know, the dirt bag. Isn't that terrible? It's hilarious now. Terrible? Yeah, it's hilarious now. But but I'm going to admit that sin. I mean, you know, I shouldn't. Have you have it. gotten biblical on this podcast today. It's well, like a confessional. Oh, yeah. You're teaching Sunday school. Look at you. Yeah. Well. Well. Right before we started this podcast, I just saw my wife was doing her morning Bible study. There so, you go. Um, You're in that and I recommended her to use my study Bible because it's really it's really good. But anyway. Um, yeah, true story there, and uh, yeah, you ought to have Russ on. <laughs> I don't know. Be, uh, I don't know what we're what we're doing here, how we got to this place, but I'm kind of glad that we did. Here's what I wanted to ask you. So Lane Kiffin, right. you finally spoke to him this week. Media got up with Lane Kiffin, and you took our podcast topic from Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we did it. I've lost track of the days, and asked Lane Kiffin about it because we talked about the quick turnaround of Ole Miss football and how Lane Kiffin did it, and then you asked him about it, and I thought his answer was pretty interesting. Lane, when, when you took this job, considering the, the state the program was in and everything, did you have a schedule in your mind about where you wanted this team to be at certain points? And if so, where are they right now? I've never thought like that. You know, I've never said, okay, when you take a job, you know, year two, year three, year four, this is where you're going to be. Just like I've never said that during a season. Um, you know, we need to win this many games. You know, we're just always trying to improve and – there's so many variables, especially nowadays with transfers that go into it. And, and as always, you know, you got to have some luck too and stay healthy. So, um, you know, if you would have said, hey, you know, whatever rankings, because rankings do not mean anything really until the last one. But if you were to say, hey, you guys are ranked wherever we are now, um, you know, three games through the second year and, uh, you know, the energy you know, nationally that I feel, you know, when we talk to recruits, uh, I would say we're, we're doing pretty well. But again, the final rankings is what matters from a football standpoint. From a recruiting standpoint, I think, you know, the energy around the program, where it is in kids' minds around the country now versus where it was two years ago was dramatically different. 
Yeah, I, th- I thought it was, uh, you know, everybody's got a take, but let's get Lane's take. You know, are, 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 you know, are you on schedule? Are you behind schedule? I don't know how in the world they could be behind schedule, but or are you ahead of schedule? I thought he had a great answer. Uh, well, it was a, a non-answer. Uh, he just said he didn't believe in that kind of stuff. He never factors that kind of stuff in. They're ahead of schedule, folks. Well, that was my question. I know what he said, and everybody just heard what he said. What do you think he really believes? Because Lane's pretty good about being honest, except with injuries. He doesn't talk about injuries. But he's pretty you know good. You what I think he believes? Okay. He had options when he took this job. He had, he had an option at Arkansas. Of course, he could have stayed at Florida Atlantic. And Ole Miss came calling. Um, this is what I truly believe. I believe Lane Kiffin looked at these rosters at every place. And he said, you know what? I kind of think Ole Miss has the best roster for what I would like to come in and do. And I think he thinks, man, I made the right choice. I've really made the right choice. And we kind of talked about this the other day too. Oxford and Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are are really becoming a hand-in-glove fit for one another. Yeah, that's it. Um, I think he thinks that too. I think he thinks, wow, you know, because, you know, he's king of the kingdom here. You, You brought that up. You mentioned that the other day. This is his program. He can mold this, you know, I'm not trying to get biblical here, but here we go. (laughs) Here we go. We are preaching today, baby. No, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's got to feel great, right? Well, and you bring up the the point. Yeah, you bring up the point. It drives me crazy. And I get asked about it every single day. That's not an exaggeration. Somebody asks me about it every single day. Ever since USC opened up, do you think Lane's going to go to USC? Do you think other schools no. are going to chase Lane? It, it, they come up with the whole question of what's Lane going to do? Will he stay at Ole Miss? And I have to explain to them because I truly believe this. I, I'm not coming from a place of expertise here. I don't know what Lane's going to do. But from my own personal belief system, since we're talking biblically, my own personal belief system is that Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss is a unique pairing. And he wouldn't get this kind of freedom – anywhere else yes there are going to be schools certainly not at usc yes certainly not at usc but he's not going to get the same kind of freedom anywhere else now he still might go somewhere but there is a real advantage for Ole miss that Ole miss is not bigger than the lane kiffin brand and that matters every coach has an ego lane likes being a brand i mean that's just true i'm not knocking the guy that's that's a great thing he likes being the lane kiffin brand and at Ole Miss, he can win at the highest level. He's at the greatest. He's in the greatest conference in college football. He gets to compete with Alabama, whatever. He can go for a national championship. But the school in which he's coaching at is synonymous with Lane Kiffin. When the casual college football fan thinks about Ole Miss, what do they think about Lane Kiffin? Yeah, sure. That's that's without a doubt a great point. And also, you know, I'll add this. I mean. I read these message board comments about, you know, is Lane going to jump ship? Is he going to leave and everything? You know, 20 years ago, Ole Miss was not one of the best jobs in America. Uh, There were financial restrictions in terms of what you could pay a coach, what they could pay a staff, things like that. Now, you know, what you had in terms of facilities, it's not 20 years ago anymore. 
this job is one of the best in America. And winning like they're doing right now, they can pay whatever they want to here. So what I'm saying is, you know, yeah, you're not going to get outbid. You're not. You don't have to get outbid to keep them here um, and to keep uh, the success rolling. It's it's not 2000 or 1980 anymore. The money is out there. My God. I mean, you look at the Manning Center, and, yeah, it's had a lot of wear and tear to it over, over the, the years. I, I'll say that. It's not looking its best right now. But, you know, they're willy-nilly putting $50 million into, into fixing that issue. Which would I never mean, have happened be, 20 years ago. No, it would have never have happened. You that was the big argument to with that. Tommy Tuberville and Pete Boone. That's why Tommy Tuberville went to Auburn because right. he wanted facilities. He wanted a practice facility. Yeah, so you don't have uh, – you know, you don't have that issue anymore. I mean, look, <clears throat> there's no need for Vaught Hemingway to be a 100,000 seat stadium. They're smart enough to realize that, but it can be, as Keith Carter said, one of the best and most enjoyable venues in the entire SEC. And that's what they're moving towards on the next round of renovations there. The money's going to be there to do that as well. Look, so, you know, no USC or Texas or Notre Dame or, or Notre Dame would not hire Lane, I don't think. But you, you see what I'm saying? Or Lane wouldn't go to Notre Dame. Um, you know, nobody's going to come in and just – if he wants to go somewhere, nobody can stop him. But the re, you know those reasons for him going somewhere, they don't exist anymore. We'll get right back to David Johnson with Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, coming up on the Modern Women phone line after we hear briefly from Cheney's Pharmacy and BNA Bank, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Chaney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. And that's what I'm talking about here. If you went to Michigan, it'd be Lane Kiffin at Michigan. If you went to USC, it'd be Lane Kiffin at USC. Texas, same thing. Just pick your school like that. 
the school is bigger than the coach. Not to say that Ole Miss isn't bigger than Lane Kiffin. It, it would survive after Lane Kiffin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are one and the same. He doesn't get that opportunity anywhere else. And in the culture we live in now, where branding is so important, it matters. It's a big deal. And the way you market it, you yeah, market and- your program, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss being one and the same, uniquely paired together, that matters. Why is Ole Miss succeeding? Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin unlocking what makes Ole Miss so good and being the brand, and he likes being the brand, that Ole Miss needs him to be on a national level. Well, and relatively speaking, here at Ole Miss, he he gets to deal with a a relatively passive media. Okay, there is nobody wow. out there. What a cell phone there, David. Jeez. Hey, hey, let's just be honest here. There's nobody out there trying to break a scandal. Period. You know, not saying there is one, but nobody's trying to. You know, everybody out there is content with covering this football program. I think everybody on the beat. Covering and, uh, covering not, things as I'm they not come, not trying to create things. Job. I think what you're saying is not – I wouldn't say passivity is, is what we're talking about here. It's more or less like I think a lot of beats – and now we're getting into, a converse, getting into a conversation about the media in general, which I don't want to do that. But as far as sports journalism, there is a lot of pursuing whatever I can find that will grab a headline or grab attention in the sphere of Twitter or just the – complete avalanche of websites and free sites and paid sites and newspapers trying to be online. If you go online and you search Alabama, there are a thousand sites dedicated to Alabama. So a beat reporter for AL.com, he's looking or she is looking for something that can grab your attention above all else. So in that respect, we don't do that here. We aren't out there just to grab a headline. So our network did earlier this week. Yes, they did. And I hated that. I mean, I mean, you know, whole Lane Kiffin, USC stuff, and there's absolutely no substance there. It was total speculation. Nonsense. Um, but that's you what know, you're saying, but, yeah. Yeah, but probably one of the most read articles across the entire network that day. You know, I, I don't, I didn't look at the stats on that article that the National Desk produced, but you know, that's uh, but 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 here, what I'm saying is, there's no gotcha mentality. There's no paparazzi. Uh, mentality with yeah. the media here. Yeah. You know, and, and and that is not the case in LA. Okay. Um and he knows that. He's been there before. You know, so you know, again, that adds to Lane can be king of his own kingdom here. That's it. And I think that's an attractive thing uh when it comes to him deciding whether he wants to stay here. Also I think the dude really likes the growth. And Ole Miss can compete financially. It used to not be able to. That's what matters. You know, he didn't go to the Grove last season at all because of COVID. Like, he can't have a press conference now. He doesn't talk about how awesome the Grove is. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if a game comes along and people look up and lean's out there groving uh, before the game. That would be cool. That would be great, yeah. Hot take take here. I actually kind of like – I know that we're used to the fans being right up there against the Walk of Champions and – patting the fans on the back. I'm kind of okay with the blockades and just a clear walk through. And yeah. I know it's not as yeah. fun for the fans, but it looks really clean and cool. And uh, I don't know, with, with everything that this country's had to deal with for the last two years, I'm kind of okay with it. I just think that the look of it is kind of cool, to be honest with you. It is. It is. And, and it's something he's embracing. And, and, you know, I think the fans have started to pick up on the fact that, 
you know, Lane wants part of his program has to be an electric atmosphere inside Vaughn Hemingway yeah. Stadium. Yeah. And that means butts in the stands. And and we all kind of got screwed last Saturday night with Tulane with the weather. I mean, I get it, man. Folks have been out there all day long. And then you that was know, a, a long four, day. Four hour, yeah, and then a four-hour rain sets in. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, at times it's raining hard. And people have kids and things like that. So the stadium really probably never got half full. Uh, for the Tulane game, whereas I think had the weather been perfect, it's probably looking 51, 51, 55,000. As packed as it can get for Tulane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for for sure. And, uh, you know, so the Arkansas game, you know, look, I I see Ole Miss is pushing for it to be a sellout, uh, you know, right now. And it's it's still almost three weeks away. But – Which is an interesting approach. Interesting. Yeah, they won't won't have any issue with that, though, if they they beat – Oh God! Yeah, if they beat Alabama. The hard seller. It'll be like uh, back when Cam Newton won the Heisman for Auburn, and they came here that year. I remember. I that. saw tickets, single single game tickets, going for two two hundred and fifty dollars. You know, with the scalpers out before the game. And wearing um, gray. And Mark know. Dotson opens the game with a kick return that was deep into Auburn yeah. territory. Oh yeah. And I thought, oh man, this could happen. And then Cam Newton did his thing. He did. Yeah. He did do his thing. Um, but uh, anyway, all right, so a question right. for you. Yeah. Yeah. We have no Ole Miss football game on Saturday. Uh-huh. So looking at the SEC slate, if you were going to spend your Saturday watching football, tell me the games you'd watch. I'm glad you asked. Let's go around the circle. Around the circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Around the Circle is brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now... Dave and I only vouch for sponsors we truly believe in, and we can't say enough good things about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. I myself have bought multiple cars from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. It was the most seamless car buying experience I've ever gone through. Ask for Brian or Mason and tell them Talk of Champion sent you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. To find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep, it's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Which games? Let me look at them. Okay. Oh, number one, LSU and Mississippi State. Yeah. Yeah, Um, 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN. Yeah. And, And, you know... I, look, let's be honest. Ole Miss fans are getting a little kick out of watching what's going on down there. And uh, be careful not, with that now. Be careful with that. Well, well, why? It's true. It, it has not been a very good start for the Bulldogs this year, particularly with how they lost to Memphis last week, and uh, you know, in the fact that they had to pull off a miracle to beat Louisiana Tech. And uh, you know, look, you want to talk about programs that kind of have their nose under the waterline, so, so does LSU. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's my uh, deal with Mississippi you State. Know, the winner of this game. Don't do yeah. the thing that you make fun of Mississippi State fans for doing. 
if you fashion yourself mm. as big brother compared to no. their little brother. No, not making fun, not making fun of Mississippi State fans whatsoever. And certainly not Mike Leach. I like Mike Leach. I love listening to Mike Leach speak because you never know what's gonna what's gonna come out of his mouth or which direction he's headed. Um, but um yeah, this is a fascinating game. I mean, because you know, there's a little bit of hope for the winner of this game. Man, I think the loser of this game is toast, considering how well everybody in the West is playing this year. Uh, this could be your look. There's a long season left to go, long but this way. could be your battle for seventh place in the West. That's crazy to think, man. LSU possibly being seventh. Mississippi State by Washington, you could predict that, but that'd be insane to think. As it pertains to Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State and Texas A&M, Arkansas, those are the games as an Ole Miss fan you need to pay attention to because Texas A&M defensively, they have a great defense. But offensively, there are some question marks about them. Arkansas has shown already they're capable, and I think they're going to give Ole Miss a heck of a test because Auburn and Georgia State, Auburn's going to beat up on Georgia State. Florida, Tennessee, you're going to play Tennessee, but Florida is better than Tennessee, and Tennessee is not back. Ole Miss should be the better team going into Knoxville. Now, being the visiting team, that's always – a disadvantage because it just is. I mean, when you're the the away team and you're going into another stadium, a stadium you're not used to, you're going to be at some kind of disadvantage. I don't think it's going to matter as it pertains to Ole Miss and Tennessee. Ole Miss is going to beat up on Tennessee. But Kentucky and South Carolina, that doesn't really affect you. Alabama, Southern Miss. Yeah, you play Alabama next week, but Ole Miss is going to beat up. I mean, excuse me, Alabama is going to beat up on Southern Miss. So I'm not even looking at that game. The games that you need to pay attention to as an Ole Miss fan are LSU and Mississippi State and Texas A&M and Arkansas. And the Texas A&M and Arkansas game is so fascinating. Number one, because of Texas A&M's profile so far, which is great defensively, question marks all over the offense. But Arkansas, are they as good and competitive as we think they might be? Because then yeah, that game becomes yeah less of a certainty. It, no game's a certainty, but less of Ole Miss is favored and should beat this team kind of going into it. Well, look, there's no doubt. Arkansas. Let's talk about Arkansas for a minute. There's no doubt Arkansas is is an improved football team in year two. And good for KJ Jefferson. Yeah, KJ's a good kid. I know KJ. KJ attended all of my my Southern Elite football camps and everything. So I was able to watch him grow up, watch his recruitment. Um, you know, he's he's the guy over there, and that, that's good. Ole Miss took a pass on it. Phil Longo uh, was. Uh, the guy, and um, you know, he, mm. instead he went with a guy named Matt Corral. Um, you know, so good choice. You can't in there. Good choice. Yeah, pretty, pretty darn good choice. But when you look at Arkansas, and look, that, let me say this too: there was a tremendous amount of local pressure put on Matt Luke and Phil Longo to take KJ Jefferson. Yes, there was. But they they withstood that, and instead went with a kid from California named Matt Corral. And uh, here we have ourselves. But, you know, when I look at Arkansas, and I watched their opening game. The Rebels didn't play on September 4th. I sat there and watched them struggle against Rice. Okay? They struggled. They pulled away at the end, 38-17 win. And then all of a sudden, they upset a bloviated, inflated Texas team. And that's where their cred really is Bloviated. Bloviated. As like always, that. there are there are three programs, no matter their condition, mm-hmm. that are always going to be in the top 25 when the season begins. That's the Texas Longhorns, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and the LSU Tigers. Yep, I was waiting okay. for you to say it, I LSU. I mean, is it true or not? I mean, oh, I mean, every single year. 
I mean, we've all been sitting around here over the offseason going, look, there are a lot of issues down at LSU. But the national media, because they're LSU, well, mm-hmm. you got to put them in there. And they, and they do. And I think Texas falls in the same boat. So I'm a little suspect of the 40-21 Arkansas win over Texas. I'm, and again, that's where Arkansas's credibility right now is coming from. Georgia Southern, 45-10 win, should have been. Okay, it's an SEC team playing a whatever, Sunbelt team. Should have happened. So they're 3-0. and They're playing a Texas A&M team Saturday on a neutral field in, in Arlington that I think by all accounts has underperformed at this point of the year. They're ranked number seven in the country and probably shouldn't be, to be honest with you. But – if you want to know the truth, I think Jimbo Fisher, and I'm not a fan of Jimbo Fisher, but I think he has his team ready to play Saturday. They need a statement win. Arkansas now ranked, what, 16th in the country. I think that's too high. I think A&M rolls big over the Hogs Saturday in Arlington. And, you know, really and truly, I don't want that to happen. You know, if I had to pick a side, I'd be pulling for Arkansas. Um I'm just uh, I'm just not an A&M fan, just just to be totally honest with you. But I think Arkansas is going to going to uh, come back down to reality starting Saturday, and then the next week they've got to play Georgia before coming to Oxford and playing Ole Miss, and then after that three game you know gauntlet, they play Auburn. So uh, you know I, I think you're going to get a dose of reality over at Arkansas. They're better. There's no doubt they're better, but I don't think they're as good as what people are, are thinking because of this 3-0 start. LSU is minus 2.5 against Mississippi State. The over-under is 56. That's the fourth highest point, point total prediction from Vegas in the SEC this week. That's kind of surprising to me. Well, you know, honestly, not, not because, uh, you know, for whatever reasons – Mike Leach's offense is not doing what uh, it's kind of known to do down there. They're not scoring a tremendous Well, that's why it's surprising. That's why it's surprising that it's the fourth highest point total with an LSU team that offensively they've got some weapons, but Mississippi State and LSU, they've done nothing to, I don't know, inspire confidence that they're going to be in a shootout of any kind. Yeah, you know what? And I'll tell you what, I kind of, uh, I think this is, as far as a game to watch that I think goes down to the wire, I think this is the one. Yeah, um, I could see this being decided on the last possession of the ball game. It's going to be a tight affair. It's in Starkville, and LSU's not setting the world on fire. You know, everybody kind of kind of said, "Oh my God!" when they went out to UCLA and lost 38-27, and then they've beaten up on McNeese. If you want to call a 34-7 win over Ooh. McNeese, a beat up. And then they doubled up Central Michigan, forty nine twenty one. I mean, that's they're two and one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so really, they're not setting the world on fire. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm intrigued by this game, though. I, I really am. I mean, you know, I think the LSU coaching staff's probably, you know, on the hottest seat in the entire conference. They need this win. They need this win. They'd already ticked their fan base off with the. I think what they have to show fax cards before they're allowed into the stadium. That didn't set well with a lot of them. Now they're playing like crap and a loss at Mississippi state. And, um, 
you know, I think uh, I think the, the 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 whirlpool is is swirling furiously down at Baton Rouge if this happens on Saturday. I think and, State's going to win. Say the same thing. Uh, they could. And, and look, you could say the same thing in Starkville. They're not happy about what happened in Memphis last Saturday. They don't want to lose against LSU. Uh, I would label this the most intriguing game of the week in the SEC. And then the other game I'm paying attention to, Texas A&M, number seven, minus five and a half at number 16, Arkansas, 2.30 p.m. CBS, over-under is 48. 48. Sounds about right with these yeah. offenses right now, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, from what we've seen early on, I could see that being the being the case. But, uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, I've just got a sneaky feeling A&M is going to route the Razorbacks. I'll be very happy if they don't. I mean, because that kind of dethrones A&M and they're, you know, I think uh, over – exaggerated number seven national ranking number but, seven uh, yeah yeah so uh, you know I don't, I don't get it I, I really don't this is just you know preseason prejudices that are still inside the top 25 polls right now it goes back um, to a complaint we've made a lot man stop with the preseason polls because if you didn't have preseason polls and you just ranked teams after the first two three weeks where would Ole Miss be right now oh man probably number five I, I I'm mean saying. honestly I think they're you know, some some talking head smarter than me earlier this week said, "Look, you know, the Peter I Burns, think there aren't, but yeah, maybe so. Maybe yeah. you know, there aren't, but maybe five teams in the country I would think could beat Ole Miss right now." And uh, that's not us saying this. This is some national head that's not this rat poison yeah. thing, man. It's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. come on, just yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be the new. Everything. Here. If you throw out a stat Can't say or anything positive about yeah. the team without being accused of rat poison, that's not how it works. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it really matters not what we say uh, <laughs> in terms nothing. of how the games play out. Yeah, but um, you know, yeah, looking on down the schedule, I mean, all these others are pretty much blah games. Yeah. Tennessee at Florida used to mean something. Yeah, look, it doesn't anymore. Tennessee's um, back. Texas is back. They're always back. They're yeah. always back. Well, Tennessee's one of those teams. It's just been so long now. They've quit just giving them their their <laughs> their normal preseason top twenty five ranking up there. That's true. Um, I mean, my God, it's it's been twenty years. <laughs> so, you know, that that's kind of fallen off them a little bit. But uh, oh man, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you do too. With Tennessee, Florida was game of the year. Oh, every, every I mean, year. That was, that was huge. Now. It's a, what, 6 o'clock uh, kickoff on ESPN. It's a throwaway game. I mean, Florida wins this by three touchdowns easily, probably more than that. Um, I'm a believer in Florida. I think they're going to be awful good this year. Florida-Georgia is going to battle that down in the East. And, uh, you know, it's going to be Alabama and somebody. And I think it's going to be Ole Miss in the West. Uh, at least right now, that's what I would say. And then you brought this game up earlier: Southern Miss and Alabama. Ole Miss fans will be paying attention to that. And you'll for about a quarter. Scared. For about a quarter. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I think some of the serious fans are—they're they're going to scout Alabama Saturday night, and they're going to be like, "Oh my God, oh my God!" Because Alabama's going to roll over what's looking like it's going to be a really bad Southern bad, Miss team this year. Bad. And. Um, you know, so don't 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 pay any attention to that. Will Hall is not running Lane Kiffin's offense down there, nor does he have Lane Kiffin's players. 
And, um, you know, it's going to be a difficult – Alabama might as well be playing Austin P. That's what you're going to learn about Alabama from this game. That's around the circle. He's David Johnson. Before we get out of here and jump to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, Ansu Cisse, all-time Ole Miss great, he's been hired by Texas Southern Basketball. He's going to be their player development coach. So congrats to him. Nick Fortes, in three games, he's been promoted to the Miami Marlins active roster, and he's hit three home runs in three games. Former Ole Miss catcher, right fielder, first baseman, Nick Fortes. So congrats to Nick Fortes. Going to jump now to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach on the Modern Woman phone line. Thank you, buddy. I enjoyed it. Yeah, hotty toddy, everybody, and y'all have a great weekend. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC. Code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. BXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is a Talk of Champions Extra. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me is Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. And this Talk of Champions Extra is brought to you by my bookie and Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Winning season has started off hot, but my bookie's continuing to crank up the heat with a $50,000 survivor contest. Whether you're a new or existing customer, if you've made a deposit with my bookie, you'll earn an entry into the $50,000 survivor contest absolutely free. To play, all you have to do is pick one winner a week to keep your streak alive and have a shot at the grand prize. Start off strong with a Ravens pick against the Lions, who haven't beaten Baltimore since Lamar Jackson was in second grade. All right, a hungry Steelers squad looking to get back to their historical dominance over the Bengals. Either way, it's simple to play and win, even if you don't have a ton of betting experience, which is why I always choose my bookie for NFL contests. Head to mybookie.ag now, mybookie.ag, and get in on the competition and use my promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to receive double your first deposit and get instant access to the $50,000 survivor pool. 
Again, that's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to instantly double your first deposit. But anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Have you ever wondered what you're going to do for retirement or if you're ever going to actually be able to retire? If so, give my friend Thomas Chandler at Modern Woodman a call. Thomas specializes in retirement and investment planning and loves helping people plan for their dream. And Modern Woodman offers anything you could possibly need, from mutual funds to employee benefits to college savings plans and even a 1% guaranteed annuity. Give Thomas a call at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And start taking control of your future today. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Clem, what's going on, man? Hey, extra. What, yeah. is that, what does that mean? That's, that's different now. Well, see, it's an extra because this week it's the bye week, and there's not a lot going on. So I've been calling people up. I called up Deuce. I called up Nick Suss. I've called up you, and I'm doing these individual shows. So you're on your own today. you got to carry this whole thing. Uh, Trying to figure out if that's a compliment or it's, hey, we got nothing going on here. Uh, I know Clem will answer the phone, so let's call him. No, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. You always okay. think the worst of things. I'm giving you your own platform <laughs> to talk about Ole Miss fall ball coming up, and you, of course, immediately skew negative. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, you haven't lied to me before, so I'll, I'll take you at your word. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's the Mike Clement Show. Okay, Beautiful. let's so, go. So let me ask you this. Should it be an insult to Deuce? He was by himself. Uh, similar, similar athletic profiles too. Oh, I know. I know. Did you play football? Uh, second team, all central Iowa metropolitan league inside linebacker fall of 97. Wow. Wow. I wore number, I wore number 45. We finished the year four and five. Uh, my goal, uh, was to get tackles uh less analytics in the fall of 97 to get tackles you just kind of lay down yeah um beside the pile if you're the last one to stand up usually the pa guy was like uh still counts on the tackle number 45 mike clement so probably got a few more tackles than 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 i uh deserved but uh here we are turn me turn me into a baseball coach that answer about the position you played the number you wore that sounds rehearsed feel like you said that before I have said it before. I have said it before. Uh, now that we have football players on our team, uh, it's one of those things. I got to. I got to hold my own. You got to show your own cred there. Your own credentials. That's right. Huh? That's right. Second huh? team all conference in the state of Iowa. That is something to write home about. Well done. I was a really shitty center, so you know, got my own story. <laughs> <laughs> Prefer not to go into. It. All right, so uh, we're already off track here. Ole Miss fall ball is coming up October one. Right now, you are an individual skill instruction. What's going on? Uh, it's kind of, uh, from, from my standpoint, it's kind of, it's, it's a strange deal and I'm not, I'm not complaining. We have, uh, three or four new offensive players. And so it's like, we just took like two months off from practice and, uh, we're, we're rolling back out there and it's the same cast of cast of characters. Uh, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Y'all really successful last year. Didn't end like you wanted it to, but offensively, Y'all did a lot of good things. Now, pitching-wise, you lost Doug. You lost Gunner. But you signed some good guys. What's been the early impressions of the new guys? Uh, I think uh, here's the thing. It, on our staff, between Coach Bianco, Coach Lafferty, and myself, uh, I'm the optimistic guy of the group. I think they would admit that if they were on this on this call. But um, they, they uh, within the confines of the walls of our office, uh, have been pleasantly surprised. Now, 
I understand with me saying that that gets outside of the confines of the walls of our office, uh, <laughs> something probably neither one of them would say, but I think the early returns on bullpens, um, have been really positive, really positive. I think, uh, we got, we got a, a few new guys that are, that are, uh, as advertised. And I think, uh, some of our, uh, some of our older guys have come back and, uh, and, 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 and been good, better early on. Are you operating or do you operate as a coaching staff under the assumption that Washburn and Gaddis are going to both be in your rotation or do you just kind of let that play out? Is it about just competition? Let it play right now? Okay. Yeah. Let it, let it play out. Um, we operate. I think the better, the better way to say that is uh, that we, we will operate that they will fill major roles for us. Um, I think that's the expectation. Um, but I think Mike and Carl would both say, it's a little more of a wait and see as far as what they look like when they get into competition and there's a hitter box and, you know, there's something on the line, whether it just be an inner squad or not. Um, I think that they would, they would be in more wait and see mode on, on that. Um, the, the, the probably some things that people would want to hear. I, I, I think the two names that I, and again, I haven't been in any of the bullpens because at the same time we're doing some offensive stuff on the field with they're in the bullpen. But the neat thing for me is, the two names that have that have consistently um, come up uh, with the most positive things said about them is number one, Drew McDaniel. I think uh, I think our fans will be uh, really excited to see that he I think has made a major jump, um, uh, and uh, I think he is he is he has made a huge step forward. The other guy being Dylan Delucia. He's a junior college guy from Northwest Florida. Um, that by all accounts from those guys, um, man, he's been, uh, he's been a little bit different than the rest of the guys in, in the pins, um, early on here. So, uh, I think from what I've heard, those two guys have, have, have made a really, really strong impression, not to say that other guys haven't, or that maybe even like guys like Gaddis and Washburn, uh, maybe the expectation was for them to be really good and they have been. Um, but those, those two guys, one returner, one new guy, I think have, have opened Mike and Carl's eyes. What does a big jump look like for Drew McDaniel? Uh, I think by what the radar gun says, it's like uh, his pins have been like 92, 95, touching 96. Um, it's, been, it's been a breaking ball for a strike. I think it's been really, really good. You know, Drew um, went up to uh, driveline this summer um, up in Seattle and uh, uh, worked really hard and, and it's think a little little different animal and I think some of it for Drew and I think he would admit this is just um the comfort level of of what he is here you know we've talked about it a ton over the years with position players because that's who I work directly with that sometimes guys like Elko uh and others uh walk on eggshells I think Drew probably somewhat falls into that category and I think he's just a little more comfortable with what his standing is on this team uh and I, I think he's kind of embraced that, and I think we're seeing a little different animal. From a position player standpoint, what are even the questions right now? If the players can overcome the coaching, if they can overcome oh. the hitting coach, <laughs> uh, we got a chance to be pretty special uh, offensively. Uh, I somewhat joke about that. Uh, I think uh, on the field, uh, first base is a, is a little bit of a question mark. That's it's Elko, more isn't it? how the uh, yes, Elko will be out all fall, right? So 
he had surgery after the super regional. Um, I think he's cleared, uh, don't quote me on this, but he's cleared somewhere around the first of the year. So, I mean, he's full go once we get to the, to the season and he's progressing great, but he'll be out all fall. Um, it's really how we maneuver pieces. Does TJ McCants come back into the infield to move Justin bench out back out to the outfield? Um, does Leatherwood hold down a spot in the outfield? Do we mix Calvin Harrison? I think there are some, um, just what the, what the parts look like from a, from a, a moving, moving around standpoint. Um, and I, and I think the the challenge to, to that, the group of offensive players for me has been, um, Hey, we could sit around and do nothing in a, in the outspot side perspective of, uh, just going out and playing in the spring would be positive. Like we will, we will put up good numbers. The challenge has been like, Hey, can you take the next step? Can we, um, can we grind at bats a little bit better? You know, um, some of those nitpicking things that our guys have gone to work on. And for me, it's more individual, like, Hey, TJ McCants, uh, can you get, can you be a little more productive, um, from at bat to at bat, uh, and, and just kind of nitpicking certain guys with certain things, um, and, uh, and, and trying to, trying to get better individually from, from that standpoint, uh, you know, but we're going to be good. We're going to be good. We're going to be good offensively. Don't want to back down from that. Um, I feel like we have, um, uh, I don't know, conservatively speaking, uh, two, maybe three of the best five hitters in the SEC in our lineup. Um, and uh, I don't, you know, again, don't want to back down from that. We're good. We're good. We're really good offensively. And um, I'm excited about it. Really excited. When Jacob was signed, a lot of the talk was about how he was eventually going to grow out of shortstop but there's no discussion about that right now. It sounds like, uh, he's not going to grow out a shortstop in college. Uh, okay. we'll let the, we'll let the, we'll let the people that make those decisions that pay him a lot of money in a couple of years, uh, make that decision. But, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to play, he's going to play shortstop here and, uh, be really, really good and, um, uh, get paid a lot, a lot of money in a couple of Junes. Um, because of how good he is. <laughs> so TJ's opportunity in the infield is second base or third base. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think that that's his, now he's going to play some shortstop this fall. Um, but I think his, uh, and we're going to give him every opportunity to stay on the dirt. <clears throat> the cool thing about that kid, um, is that he's willing to do whatever. Uh, I think he has earned the right, um, through his play and how hard he worked over the last calendar year, he has earned the right to try to win a job on the dirt. Uh, but he has made it very well known to us. Like, Hey, listen, I'll play wherever just want to play. Um, the thing about him, as you know, from, you know, seeing every game last year is we have to, we have to be pretty calculated with how many reps he gets in the infield. And we want to give him that opportunity because he's earned that, like I said, but the other thing is uh, he is not a refined center fielder yeah. as you saw last year. So, uh, the important thing is that we've kind of mapped out for him is for him to not like Ryan Olenek was a little different. He could play in the infield all fall and go out and be a special outfielder. Same with Ben, Justin Ben, like yeah. he can play in the infield infield all fall and go out there and just has the knack to play center field and would be, uh, an, an elite level college center fielder. TJ's not that admittedly. And so, um, it is important for us and we've mapped it out that he needs to be able to, go, uh, you know, work on his route running, 
uh, as far as getting the balls and, you know, just, I, he's going to be really good out there. It's just a matter of work. And so that's, a, that has to be a little more calculated from our standpoint with him, giving him the ability to, 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 to get better on the infield and have the opportunity to win a job, but also knowing that he, he also may very well be our center fielder. And so he's got to get better out there too. I'm in no way an expert. You are the coaches, but I'm speaking Kind of like a fan would say if y'all were meeting him for a Rebel Road Trip or something. They'd say something like, okay, it seems pretty obvious that Gonzo's the best third baseman. TJ can play short because Peyton can only play second base and Justin's the best center fielder. Why not just go with that? Why is it not that easy? Um, the only thing uh, – there there, there's, some, there's some logic in what you're saying. I would dispute uh, – I think you got to play your best infielder at shortstop, and I think right now Gonzo's mm. that. Okay. Um, I, I think where I think any of those other things could be possibilities, including um, one thing you didn't mention would be Chatagnier playing third base. I think that's a possibility. I think bench playing third base, it, it could set up exactly how, how it did last year. Um, but I think those three guys, um, I don't think Chatagnier can play the outfield, uh, but I think Chatagnier can play either one of those spots, not shortstop, but could play second base or third base. Uh, I think bench can play any of the three of those spots. And I think McCants can potentially play any of the three of those spots. Um, it's just a matter of bench is probably defensively the best guy at all three of those. Spots, That's right. Yeah. If I'm being honest. And um, Shatney has a, some limitations as far as going in the outfield, we believe um, and he needs to stay on the dirt. Um, and McCants can play all three of those spots but probably needs the reps to continue to get better at all three of those spots. So it's almost, uh, uh, you know, kind of three different tiers and it's just trying to, trying to figure out those spots, but all of those guys are going to play those different spots just to try to, you know, create our best opportunity to put the best, best team on the field. Well, bench is such a luxury for you because we need to be second base today, shortstop third base. I mean, just to have that luxury of a player who is plus plus pretty much wherever you line them up, the versatility that provides huge. Huge, huge. With roster limits in college baseball, um, fortunately, at least in my time here, Mike has always we've, we've always had um, that kind of swing guy. Whether it be Olenek or Kyle Watson before him or Bench, those guys are so valuable um, just to be able to play all over the place. And um, you know, as good as those other two were, Bench potentially is the best of any of them as far as the whole package goes. Is just an absolute ball player. He's uh, although he was, you know, an all SEC performer last year, like he's never going to be the guy that gets all the accolades. But then when you step back and look at his entire body of work, it's like, oh my gosh, he made me the most valuable guy out there. Um, yeah, he's so valuable to our team. Um, just, just for exactly, exactly what you explained. And I think the other pieces or the other piece really that gives us some versatility with those guys um, is Reagan Burford. And so Reagan started here, uh, transferred to Northwest Florida Community College last year, had a great year, and is back. Um, and he is a versatile infielder as well that can play second base, third base. Um, we'll see. I mean, he's going to have to go earn it just because he doesn't have uh, some of the, the, the stripes on the wall like, like those other three guys do as far as producing and SEC play and all of that. But Burf, I think, adds some versatility for us to give us flexibility with those other three guys as well. Yeah, you bring it up. Newcomers, Burf, Delucia. Who else? Who else should Ole Miss fans be paying attention to this fall? Um, the the 
probably the, the, the on the mound is is more than anything. Uh, you mentioned Washburn. I think he's uh, he's got a chance to be special. You know, he's he's a guy that uh, was Team USA guy with 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 Dunhurst and and uh, and Gonzo this summer. Um, you know, he's got really elite stuff. Obviously, really good pedigree. His dad played in the big leagues for probably ten or twelve years, um, and uh, and I think he's just got really good feel. He's got good feel. He's got, um, from what I understand, electric breaking ball that um, is going to get going had really good numbers at Oregon state last year. Um, he would be one that comes to mind. The other guy that you've already mentioned, um, is John Gaddis, uh, a transfer from Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who was probably the best arm in the Southland conference last year. Um, he is a high level of compete and a premium strike thrower, uh, wherever he fits in is going to be good. He's going to throw a lot of innings. I think the, the, the other name on the mound that I've heard a ton about, um, from Mike and Carl that seems like the keeps coming up is Riley Maddox. Riley Maddox is from Jackson prep. Um, was the best pitcher on preps team that, that won a state title uh, last year. He is a incredibly good looking kid, six foot four, probably 200 pounds. That's my guess. Um, and he has kind of the will Etheridge arsenal um, more of the sinker slider guy, but I know in his last 10, he was up to 94, 95 miles an hour. Um, and I think he's got a chance to, to be, have a really special, special career here. So, um, those are the guys that come off the top of my, top of my brain, as far as the, the, the newcomers come, obviously it was a pitching heavy class. Um, and, uh, just be, just because we, you know, didn't have a much, thankfully didn't have much turnover, um, on the offensive side of things. Do y'all still think about Jackson Job? Uh, a little bit, you know what, the, <laughs> my mind goes way more, uh, to Doug Nikhazy only because like he was so good. Uh, I've been around division one baseball for 15 years. And like, it's hard for me to say I, I have coached um, a lot of really good pitchers. I've been in the dugout in the same uniform as some guys that are pitching in the big leagues. And I don't even know who second place is, but I know who first place is in the, in the best college pitcher I've ever shared a dugout with. And it didn't even close like that guy there's some goofy stat out there. You may know it. Like he, he appeared in 41 games in his two and a quarter years here. And, so and, and Ole Miss will miss one, like 34 of them. Like just a, just a dumb stat. He never lost a postseason game, sec tournament, regional or super regional like just. And so Job, um, as good as he is, was almost like, uh, you know, as from a coaching standpoint, we worked as hard as we could to get him. He's a lottery uh, ticket. We worked as hard as, as, as hard as we could to, to keep him. Um, and, and this may not sound right to fans. Uh, it, at some point uh, we, we have, you know, a lot of people in the professional baseball industry, we knew like he was going to have to turn down a fortune to come to school. Um, and he was willing to turn down a lot. He just wasn't willing to turn down $7 million. So <laughs> come, um, on. come on. And so, or, or 6.9, whatever, whatever, doesn't matter. So, um, but I think about Doug more than that, not, not that Doug should have come back or whatever, but I think if you have to be careful to get caught in, how in the world do you replace that guy? Well, the answer is you don't like no one does. Like he is a once in a generation type pitcher. And so like you fill it with numbers, you know, you fill it with multiple people and all of that. But if you're not careful, 
you start thinking about how good that guy was and it's like, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to fill that gap? Like, it just gets sad at that point. It. It's just like, oh, oh God. my gosh. We, well, you think about the season life. Like we went through a month of, 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 of losing weekends and why were we able to keep our head above water? Yes. You could point to the offense and that we have a good offense and all of that. The real reason is Doug, like he was the ultimate stopper. He won his game every single weekend. Like it didn't matter. So it, it's funny. I, I've told the story a, a bunch of times. I don't know if I've done it on here and, and I'll, and I'll do it quickly. I, I mean, probably because you've been on here like a thousand times every year, but we're going, we're getting ready to go play in the super regional against Arizona. It's really hard to, Got to report information on the West Coast teams because they keep it close to the vest, and they're all like, they all think the SEC is the the antichrist, and so um, like none of them want to give information on each other or whatever. Um, so I'm talking to uh, a, a broadcaster that lives out there, a guy that does does games for ESPN. I probably shouldn't say his name. Nah, it doesn't really matter. But anyway. Um, and I'm like, hey man, I'm not looking for a scouting report, but just, you've seen Arizona play several times. Like, give me your overview of them. I was like, because we, we need to win one game. And he was like, wait, Clem, like, what are you talking about? It's a super regional. You have to win two games. I was like, no, no, no. You, you see, you don't understand. Like Nick, we have Nikhazy. like we're winning that game. Like there is zero doubt about it. We just have to find a way to get 27 outs outside of that game. Like we just got to find a way to win one game because he's winning his game. He's like, ah, you haven't seen Arizona's offense. I was like, Hey, I'm, Have you seen Doug? To, yeah, I was like, I got other things to do today, and I don't want to keep you all that. Like, just trust me. He's winning his game. He doesn't lose. Uh, and I, I wasn't even saying it to be flippant or arrogant or any of that. I meant it, like, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, and it was true. It was true. Like, everyone around here knows that. Um, that guy won every big game that he was ever asked to win. And I feel like, and I'm sure you go back and I could be wrong on some level, but like any game he lost, I feel like we lost three to two or two to one. Like it wasn't his fault. Um, just, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of a kind yeah. anyway. And that hole is not easily filled, man. It's just, you can sense it. You know, it, y'all are a good team. Y'all got a great offense and all this is coming back, but just Doug, once you think about the greatest players in Ole Miss history, he's easily going to be top three, if not the number one guy. And I know a lot of great players. Yeah. They're probably better pros like Lance Lynn and Chris Coughlin and Zach Kozar. But as far as just what he meant for the his thing, like, team, you know? Yeah. Laugh and I got asked all the time, like, uh, and it's not fair to Gunner, but like as the draft approached, like, Hey, if you had to win one game and I would just stop those guys and be like, Hey, listen, stop. Uh, if you're asking me the question one game, it's not even close. And that's nothing. That's to say nothing bad at, yeah. about Gunner. Like, but it's not even close. Like it's one game you could ask, give him to Tim Corbin and say, Hey, you got one game to win. Do you want rocker lighter or Nikhazy? He's going to pick Nikhazy. <laughs> like he wouldn't say that publicly, but it's just the truth. Like he's the best guy for college baseball. Now I understand like, and that's what I would tell the scouts. Like I get that you guys have to grade out something different than I do. Like he's five foot 10. His average fastball velocity is 89.1, all of that. So I get it. There's some limitations to what he is. You find out what those limitations are. You find the ceiling of those limitations and you give him every dime, whatever that ceiling is. And then thank me later. Like, thank me later. Cause that's what one of the white Sox scouts was. Like, I shouldn't even say the organization was like, do you think he can get outs in the big leagues? And I was like, tomorrow tomorrow he can get out in the big leagues like go put him in yankee stadium like i'm not saying he's gonna be verlander but like 
he could get outs in the big leagues tomorrow. He's he's a freak. He's a freak. Real quick, what's the point of emphasis for an offense that returns everything in the fall? Yeah, uh, we struck out at a, at a at a much too high clip, and so the, the byproduct of that is that um, we weren't great at scoring runs on Friday night. Now, now, um, I think when you have an offense as good as ours, uh, as a coach the guys can take the, the, the kick in the gut. And so it's been important for me so far this fall. Um, they know how much I love them. They know how good they are. Uh, it's important for me to things realistic. And, and, and we struck out over 500 times last year. And, and in a nutshell, you've heard me say this before. I'm not the guy who wants to strike out the least in the league. That's not important to me. I feel like uh, driving the ball, scoring runs, hitting the ball out of the yard. Those are all important things. And with that, sometimes comes some punch outs. But we can certainly grind out at bats a little bit better. Um, and I think sometimes that, that, that held us down a little bit of, you know, when, when we got into high leverage games and high leverage situations, certainly not all of them because you could definitely point to examples where we blew some people out of the water. Uh, we came a little bit too much feast or famine and that's not what I want to be. And you and I have talked about it a ton before when we get in the analytics talks, the difference in college baseball is if you move the baseball and you grind out at bats, the other team is going to make mistakes at the big league level. They don't. Um, but here they do even at the highest level of amateur baseball. So it's just, um, and it's really more into guy by guy. Cause we had four guys in our lineup last year that would grind out at bats with the best of them talking about bench, talking about Gonzo, talking about uh, 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 Bench, Gonzo, Dunhurst. Uh, those, like, those guys would do it, but then we had other guys uh, like that the walks, the strikeouts, the OPS was, was a little bit skewed. Um, and so it's just about uh, just having a little bit better ability to grind. And that's nitpicking because our offense is fabulous. But um, if, we can, if we can get to that, it's got a chance to be whatever, take whatever the next step is, go from – great to greater, great to elite, whatever, whatever that is. I think we got a chance to do that and we have the personnel to do it. So uh, I feel really good about that. He's Ole Miss hitting coach, Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball opens fall ball, October 1st. Thanks buddy. You're the man. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.